Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Eddie Portnoy. Eddie is a senior researcher and director of exhibitions at YIVO Institute for Jewish Research in New York City. He is the author of the soon-to-be-released Bad Rabbi and other strange but true stories from the Yiddish press. Welcome, Eddie. Hi, Lisa. Thank you. Great. It's always really fun to have you here for a visit. So before I ask you about the title, I wonder if you can sort of tell me a little bit about how you came to the research and what drew you to writing the book. Uh, well, I, I didn't actually intend to write this book. It was sort of an accident. Uh, what happened was uh, during the course of my dissertation research, I began to come across uh, all kinds of strange stories in the Yiddish press about scandals and violence and unusual episodes that really struck me as interesting and anomalous uh, in consideration of, of the you know, sort of normative Jewish history I had learned. Uh, so these, these stories you know, became very interesting to me, and I uh, began spending more time uh, just making photocopies of them and researching them. And I would tell, you know, friends and colleagues about the themes of some of them, and they'd say, oh, you should really, you know, write an article about it or, you know, do something on that. So I began writing small articles for Tablet Magazine. Uh, I used to have a column once a month, and this was about five or six years ago. And, uh, you know, I wrote, you know, some of these stories were on, uh, you know, Jewish psychics on the Lower East Side or... Um, you know, violence between journalists of the Yiddish press or, um, you know, violence uh, between secular and, and religious Jews in Warsaw. There were, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, interesting and odd stories. So um, I took some of these stories and expanded, expanded them and added some new ones in order to create this book, uh, which is really sort of an anthology of... Uh, as you know, as the title says, strange but true stories from uh, from the Yiddish press. So these stories appeared all over the Jewish press, um, and I wondered if different papers presented different the stories in different ways. Um, were there crime reporters? How did how sure, did this yeah, all get I, integrated? Right, absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the Yiddish press um, was the biggest form of Jewish media. In, during the early 20th century, and you know, for instance, in New York, you have five—you know—during a certain time, you have five daily newspapers in Yiddish in Warsaw. And I chose New York and Warsaw because these are the two main uh, mm -hmm. cultural centers. Uh, you know, in Warsaw, you have four daily newspapers, and uh, you know, you have huge readerships in New York. It's it's upwards of about a million people, and Warsaw, it's, uh, and or in Poland, you 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 know, you have a very significant Yiddish readership. And so, um, you know, the daily newspapers were daily newspapers like they were in any any language. You had, um, you know, you had crime reporters, court reporters, uh, you know, any kind of beat you could imagine. Uh, you would have, you know, that you would have in a, in, a, in let's say in England, you know, the New York Times or the New York Post. You would also have for a Yiddish newspaper, uh, but you would also have, um, you know, specifically Jewish beats. So you would have, you know, just like. In, in newspapers, you'd have court reporters. In the Yiddish papers, you had rabbinical court reporters. Uh, you know, the, the editors would send, you know, their journalists to the rabbinical court to report on the goings-on there. You'd also have someone assigned, especially in Warsaw, to the Hasidic beat um, to report on goings-on among different Hasidic courts. 
so you know you had you know the the Yiddish press was very was like any uh, any press anywhere, but it, it also had these sort of very specific Jewish components to it that you wouldn't have in other places. And I wondered if it um, maybe this is a strange but broad question, if it in any instances helped the immigrant population when we talk about the new country um, to navigate uh, to try to figure out how to deal with some of these situations that might not have presented themselves before and how how would this be perceived? Right, absolutely. Um, and you, you, you have it. It's not just the immigrant population in New York, but it's also in Warsaw because what you have in Warsaw is you have a lot of people coming from, from small shtetlach to the big city. So they're, they're, they form this kind of internal migrant population uh, you know, who, are, who are sort of new, newly urbanized. So the newspaper very much becomes a guide to life in the big city. Uh, so, for instance, and, and obviously it's more it's more pronounced in New York, um, you know, where, for instance, in the Forverts you have Dos uh, uh, Brief, you know, you have, um, you know, the Bundle of Letters column, which is, you know, the first Yiddish and extremely popular advice column uh, where writers could, could uh, you know, write in and, and, and ask anything they wanted. Um, but you also had articles, uh, for instance, in 1909, there's a great article in the Forverts, uh, that describes how to play baseball uh, for new immigrants, and you know why. You know you think to yourself, why do you know why does the paper need to explain baseball to immigrants? Um, you know this is simply a part of the process of Americanization. Uh, you know their kids played. You know they may have played, and it was an important part of this new world. Uh, but you also have all kinds of articles um, about how to avoid getting getting pickpocketed. Uh, how to uh, buy a pair of shoes without getting ripped off. Uh, there are all kinds of, uh, you know, articles and you know throughout the Yiddish press. Uh, how to vote, for example. Uh, it's it's really it's it's really this amazing guide to this whole new world for um, you know for all of these people from you know a variety of different places. You know, to, that teaches them how to function in uh, in a in a new environment. So there were a lot of different. Uh, bents to different newspapers, and there were a lot of daily newspapers. Um, did they report these things in different ways? I mean, I've read the book is wonderful, by the way. It's oh, thank surprising you. Surprising stories, and your introduction is um, in and of itself is worth the price of the book. Um, well, thanks. Uh, but I just wondered if they had, you know, sort of the akin to say a columnist, whether there's a certain voice or there's a certain way of looking at these things that. Some might look askance at uh, the person who's depicted in here, and others may be more judgmental. Did you find that when you were doing the research? Well, it, you know, it depends where uh, it's happening. And, of course, it depends on the paper as well. Um, in Warsaw in particular, when it comes to uh, crime and scandal reporting, the, the journalists uh, are very snarky. Uh, they they're very they're often very sarcastic. Uh, they they tell the stories, you know the, the stories are often you know little tragedies. They're these little scandalous tragedies, and uh, but the, but the journalists will often report them in a humorous in a humorous way. Uh, and you know for the reader it's great. Uh, for the people involved it's maybe not so great. But <laughs> right? they're 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 thoroughly enjoyable to read, uh, and it's. You know, it's one of the really interesting aspects of 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 
the Yiddish press is that uh, you have these little tragedies that they're that they're you know retelling in humorous ways, and humor it becomes this really important element uh, in in daily news reporting, and you don't, and it's something you really don't find in um, in other language newspapers of the day. Like in the English language press, you would never find the crime blotter reporting humorously about uh, about whatever events it was reporting. It was it was always just sort of straight reportage. Uh, but in in, in Warsaw in particular, you wind up with this really kind of snarky, funny attitude toward you know whatever's going on. It's as if they're they're still telling the story uh, to each other in the shtetl about you know about their neighbor. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it's, it has a very homey atmosphere, uh, which, you know, like I said, for the reader, it's, it's a blast. It's, you know, it's an endless source of uh, enjoyment. It's, it's almost like the precursor to reality TV. I mean, Semitic beauty dives, you know, drives Jewish wild. Um, it's just um, some of these stories about divorce and right. the affairs and the missing husband, they're crazy all over the place. Um, right, and... Yeah, go ahead. And, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the reasons I wanted to do this was because, you know, you don't really find these stories anywhere else. Um, but what you do see is, and, and also, you know, when, you, when it comes to Jewish historiography, um, you, don't really, you don't really get this version of the Amcha, you know, the sort of common Jewish rabble, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jewish historiography focuses largely on the intellectual class, on rabbis, on scholars, artists, writers, things like that. Um, now, writers certainly write about people like this, and you do find, to a degree, um, the, you know, these types of events and scandals in Yiddish literature. Uh, and what's, what was really interesting to me was the ways in which uh, this type of reportage influenced people like Besheva Singer, um, or Lama Shapiro, or you know, lots of other Yiddish writers who, you know, if you if you're familiar with the Yiddish press, uh, you can see how how their work was influenced by it. Um, and also, you know, most Yiddish writers were journalists at some point, right? Uh, because it was obviously difficult to to make a living just being a, a, a you know writers of writer of novels or short stories. Uh, so. You know, the great majority of, of Yiddish writers also work in the Yiddish press, so they had great familiarity with this material. And it is an amazing window into sort of everyday life. And I wonder what your takeaway was. It, did you expect to find the stories when you started out on the project, and then did it shape itself the way you imagined? You know, what's funny is, like I said, the book was a, kind of an accident. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I didn't really intend on writing a book like this. Um, but but at some point I realized I had a um, a critical mass of stories and that it it could become something. So when I first sto- started, I you know I ac- I came upon stories like these accidentally, and I just enjoyed them. And you know once I began really reading a lot of them, I you know I realized uh, that there were aspects of Jewish life here that hadn't been explored at all, and I, I thought. It, you know, at some level, it's it's valuable to look at this world and and you know have a, it, which gives you a much better understanding of what Jewish life was like for uh, you know for you know urban dwellers in Warsaw, New York. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the stories when I was reading them, I thought, 
never ever considered that those kinds of things would impact a person's life or that their reaction to this would be that. Um, it, it, it was just a different way to understand everyday challenges. Um, right. Yeah. Right. And there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people making very bad decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, which which is also you know which which you know for anyone who gets to read about them, it's like gravy. It's it's amazing. Did did they have a life beyond the Jewish community? These stories. These stories. Some of them did. Um, now uh, there were instances where when when scandals sort of broke the barrier and wound up in the English language or the Polish language press, um, that, was the, that was the signal for the Jewish community to try to put the brakes on it. Um, because, they did, because obviously they felt it was a shanda for the goyim. Mm-hmm. They, 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 didn't, they, they didn't want you know, a, a public embarrassment because of these terrible scandals. Uh, so there, there, were, there were instances where if, you know, if the scandal was extensive, they would you know, they would try to, you know, keep it quiet in some way or, or you know, reduce the, you know, try to reduce the, the effect in order that it not become, you know, public, public knowledge. Because to a large degree, the Yiddish press was a private conversation. Um, you know, while there certainly were, especially in, uh, in Poland, but also in New York, there were Gentiles who, who could speak, who could understand and speak Yiddish. They most often couldn't read it. So, um, you know, you had these instances where, uh, um, you know, people would talk about it and, you know, the news would get out. Um, like, for instance, in, in Poland, you would ha- you'd always have reviews of what's going on in the Polish press. In the Polish press, you didn't have such a thing. You didn't have, you know, what's going on in the Yiddish press. There mm-hmm. wasn't as much, you know, there wasn't as much interest. Uh, but if the story was, you know, was a juicy one, they, you know, it, it would get play and, and the Polish language or the or in New York the English language press and, and sort of what's the span of um, how long this kind of reporting went on in the um, in the Yiddish press well it goes you know it really goes until you know in Poland obviously it goes until the beginning of World War two and the, the you know the end of that community mm-hmm. uh, in New York it goes to about the same time um, it, it, it extends a little bit further than that into the 40s, um, but as, you know, especially after World War II, when uh, the suburbs become a destination for, or a greater destination for, for Jews living in the cities, these kind of, you know, mini shtetlach of the Lower East Side uh, and, play, and other neighborhoods and other, and other big cities begin to break up, and, and so the the sense that a, a Yiddish reporter could go into these places and and get dirt on whatever was going on began to disappear, and so it really you know after World War II the, the you know that sort of aspect you know that intimate aspect of, of reporting on on local scandal begins to disappear in the Yiddish press. So did you have a favorite story at the end of all this? A favorite story. Um, I mean. I like a lot of them. Uh, I will say that one of my favorites is uh, the Miss Judea story, mm-hmm. the, the beauty contest in, in, in 1929 in Warsaw. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy story. And what I love so much about it is it involves almost every precinct of the Jewish community. It's got the Polish-speaking secular Jews, the Yiddish-speaking secular Jews. It's got a lot of Hasidim. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, it's... 
got an incredible amount of drama in it, and it's uh, it's reported on in an incredibly funny way. Uh, so it's really like that. That story really, uh, you know, continues to blow my mind. And before I let you go, Bad Rabbi, what's the backstory to the title? So the the backstory to the title is uh, the there's um, a scene in Woody Allen's Everything You Want to Know About Sex. Uh, there's a skit called What's Your Perversion? And it's a parody of a game show, of like a What's My Line type game show. And they bring in a rabbi whose perversion is to be, um, to be whipped by a dominatrix while his wife sits at his, at his feet and eats pork. Huh. And they enact this, and the, while he's being whipped, the, the dominatrix uh, you know, says, bad rabbi, bad rabbi. Um, and obviously, this, ha- this doesn't really have anything to do with the, um, with the story itself. There's a story called Bad Rabbi, which is, which is about a Hasidic rabbi who um, uh, commits bigamy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is obviously a bad rabbi. He's done something bad. So uh, I, 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 thought the, the, I, I thought the title fit. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure when I read that story. So um, the book is forthcoming. It's going to be released in October, correct? Yes. Okay, great. Um, The title again is Bad Rabbi and Other Strange But True Stories from the Yiddish Press. Um, And I will share with our listeners that we will likely have it available in the Yiddish Book Center's online and on-site store and everywhere else in America, correct, Eddie? Uh, I'm hoping so. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks again, and I uh, look forward to your next project. They're always great. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining me. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. More information about this podcast and other Book Center programs can be found at our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This week's episode was produced by me, Zeke Levine. Until next time, seid gesund.